I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very well, indeed. Finally back from my German literary tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll never sing that, everyone. You will never sing that, partly because it's not that catchy. <laughs> There's a vibe. Frankfurt, Leipzig, Hamburg. So yeah, all good. And uh, a really intriguing week of football, too. Yeah, to. it was. I have a question to ask you actually before we get going. Yeah, sure, sure. Who did it better, Victor Osimhen or Seamus Coleman? Uh, I think actually that's such a great question. I think it was Seamus because you see him making the decision very early on, whereas Osimhen makes Pretty the wild. decision late. So Seamus Coleman makes the decision basically about what twenty meters earlier, whereas Osimhen basically finds the gap and looks up and is like, "I'm taking that." But Seamus is like, "You're already dead." This is an assassin vibe. So yeah, Seamus Coleman, also because of the importance of that goal as well. So big. Let's get into that, yeah. Six points in nine for Daesh's Everton. Listen, many Who saw- would have thunk it? Only well, actually- everyone. <laughs> Only everyone. Incredible win for them, yeah. Um, Napoli winning 2-0. Karat Skelly with another great goal. Yes, oh my so they're goodness. riding high at the top of, top of Serie A. They're cooking. So there you go. We've done Napoli and we've done Everton already. And we're not even a minute in. We're two Sorry. minutes in. Look at us. Look at us, eh? <laughs> Efficiency. Uh, let's do some admin. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying yes. well. Um, thoughts going out to anyone that's affected by stuff going on around the world at the moment. There is some horrible, horrible stuff going on. There and, is a um, lot. Yeah, just uh, yeah, can't even imagine. But um, a lot. Right, his house this week will be Musa and Ryan joining Ian, talking about. Golf. In the end, it was all about golf. Yes. Watching this series, this Netflix series, is it in full swing? It reminded me. Full swing. Yeah. Full swing. Watching this Netflix series reminded me how much I loved watching golf. Like it yeah, was a man. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Golf, golf is good. Golf is love good. It. Love it. Um, so, yeah, Ian, Bruce, and I will be talking about Netflix's series, Full Swing, which is, was brought to you by the people who did Drive to Survive. Mm. So if you want to catch up before we do Tuesday's episode, you, you'll probably have about 24 hours yeah. to watch all of them um, or wait until you've seen them all. There are, there are eight of them. They're 45 minutes each. So actually, yeah. you it's can not do a bad. It. Yeah, not a bad. Uh, not you can bad. do it. You got this. Hey, everyone. Um, you got this. Yeah, absolutely. I just had an idea for some merch. We What's should that? do motivational audio tapes. We should. We should actually. <laughs> when are we going to do that ASMR? 
I know, yeah. I don't know whether I'd go like full motivational or stadio-esque tough love. You definitely go full motivation. You're going to do good today or you're going to be a catfish? Do you want to be a catfish? Are you a catfish? Are you a catfish? You would would definitely go full motivation. You would. Yeah. Hey, everyone, you've got this. You got this. Hey, you got this. That's a good look. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, other bits of admin. Uh, I think that's everything. It is. So today we're going to talk about some stuff that happened over the weekend in football. We'll talk about Manchester United's takeover. We'll talk about Chelsea's form Mm. um, and loads of other stuff. But a couple of things before we get going. Yeah. A quick shout out for Ajax's 4-0 win over Sparta Rotterdam because now I went to Ajax. I went to Ajax on uh, Thursday. Yes. Mm. I'm now giving them a shout out on every single show. (laughs) Even radicalised. I'm radicalised. Or tagicalised, you could say. Oh, I see what it is. Because. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. Really? Yes, really. Shut up. (laughs) Dusan Tadic scored his 100th goal on the weekend. And he's also got 106 assists. In 225 Ajax games. He's a you, club legend. He's a club Le, legend. That's a, that's a Lipmanen. That's Lipmanen numbers. Yeah. Also, <laughs> the Lip, thing that Lipmanen, I didn't know. Yari Lipmanen numbers. The thing that I didn't know, that I do know now, after going to see them on Thursday against Union, is that at the end of the warm-up, they put Free From Desire on, and Tadic stays out on his own. Right. And does a couple of tricks and then scores. And everyone sings Tadic on fire. Oh, you're joking. No. So he gets a little bit of main character final solo warm up. Choreographed energy. choreo, basically. Yeah. Actual. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. That is hilarious, Ryan. Yeah, it was great. Is anyone else? I was, I was with no. my friends, Bert and Elko. Shouts to Bert and Elko. Great dudes. And Bert was just like, wait, 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 watch this. And I was like, no, no way. And then you just hear, duh, duh. and Tadic is still out there. And he's like, we get this like little. <laughs> It was so funny. Every time I look over at Ajax, that man is in his bag. Oh my God. I mean, the thing is, I walked around, I haven't been to Amsterdam since before the pandemic. And um, I got there on Wednesday and I basically just walked around all day. It's incredible. For that went and got some food, caught up with some football that night. Why would you leave Ajax? It's incredible. I it's mean, incredible. if you, you know, as long as you were like, okay, the money's fine and I'm happy with the football. I mean, you live in Amsterdam. You live and you in Amsterdam. Football. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. In it's that just, stadium. It's, it's just, ridiculous. I know, I know, I know. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Anyway. I don't want to talk about it because I, I think the envy, there's very few things I envy. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's irrational because there's no way I'd ever <laughs> could barely kick a football. <laughs> could, oh, come on. I, I, I but, heard a story about you, actually, when I was in Amsterdam. Oh, my God. Well, actually, I heard <laughs> a story about you. Oh, my God. Oh God. Uh, someone told me in Amsterdam that when you were younger, the ball... Uh, the ball came to you in a game and it was flying over your shoulder about 40 yards out and whereas most people would have taken a touch and run on you hit it first time and it went in and you kind of looked around to everyone with the expression of oh god I mean yeah what that's not true that's not true (laughs) I heard it I heard it from someone who was there honestly I heard it from someone who was there you're joking no that's wild yeah it was Seb Stafford Bloor Seb Stafford Bloor told me that Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, snitching, Seb. I'm going to come for you, Seb. I'm yeah. going to come for you. <laughs> um, I know we've kind of like had a bit of a laugh there, but there was one from this game. There was a a, a lovely moment where Kudo scored and um, lifted up his shirt with a with a message to Christian Atsu, who, mm. since we last spoke, was found. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Under rubble in his in his in in. His apartment building, building, wasn't it? His apartment building from the earthquake in Turkey. Um, Mm. 
it's just so sad. I mean, the the sorry to kind of pull it back in with a serious thing, but yeah, no, of course, of course, the scale of the tragedy in Syria and Turkey is beyond imaginable. Um, There's just the level, the horror, and just yeah. Oh. Please donate to any organisations that that you can that are helping over there. Yeah, the funny thing about this game was that normally you get booked for having some kind yeah. of like a slogan on a t-shirt underneath. And the ref went over to, uh, to, um, to Kudus and said, look, um, I know I meant to book you, but I get I'm not, not going to yeah. do this. Yeah. Which, which no. is like, we talk about gestures in football, but that was kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and there, there was also a, a, an amazing tweet going round about all the work that, that Atsu was doing, yeah. like just basically off the books. Like it was basically like, well, he's funding life-saving operations, um, for like people without parents, for, like, for orphans basically. And like for prisoners and all this stuff, basically like so many neglected people in society, this man was helping with, with thousands of pounds of his own money and he died at just 31. So sad. I mean, I mean, wow. I feel like obviously, you know, it's like, just like I said before, the sheer scale of the tragedy over there is just, I can't, it's beyond comprehension to me. Yeah, and it's something else. Um, so thoughts are with friends, family, loved ones, anyone affected by what's going on, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Yeah, yeah. All right, man, let's get on to, I was going to say some football, but it is kind of football. Well, it is mm. football. Yes. It's more biz. Yes. The soft deadline for bids to take over Manchester United has passed. Oh no, I would, I would have put an offer. I would have put an offer. <laughs> oh yeah? Yeah, and You yeah. have to do a few more fucking literary tours of Germany if you want to play Manchester United. <laughs> you have to sell a few more books, my friend. You have to sell a few more books. <laughs> Hey, quick question. Do you think in 50 years time, uh, your publishers are going to have to edit some of your books because you get cancelled at the moment? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, yeah, they rolled down. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, quick shout no. out, by the way. Just a little quick reminder. It's the people who own the IP doing that to make yeah. sure that they sell as much as possible. It's not, it's not people right. like me and Musa. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think my takes, unfortunately, could, would be very, very conventional 50 years from now. I think... Yeah. I know you're going to look vanilla in like five years. I know. Ten years. Sadly. But do you know what? If, if, if you are, do you know what that means, Musa? What's that? It means we've won. <laughs> <laughs> Shit <of> the Overton window. <laughs> we've normalised the discourse. <laughs> no, O2, O2B, O2B, vanilla. Anyway, sorry, dragging us, dragging anyway, football, us. Football, yes. Dragging Manchester us, yes. United being taken over, apparently. They don't know are, by who yet. Yes, there are two major contenders. Sheikh Jassim bin Hamad Al Thani from Qatar and Sir Jim Ratcliffe from the UK both uh, profess their fandom of Manchester United. Sir Jim Ratcliffe um, has stronger credentials in that area, it seems, uh, because he actually attended the 1999 final in the camp now where United beat Bayern Munich in the last minute. We're still living off that. Uh, well, and why not? And um, then you have uh, the bid from Altani. Extremely interesting. I mean, he's professes to be a fan again uh, and his vision for the club is interesting. So it's to return Manchester United to a place of footballing excellence. You can argue they're already very good again. So technically they're kind of on their way back there. Um, but also the idea that they should be seen as like the, the prominent, a prominent voice in world football, a prominent, what was the exact, what the exact words they used? And it was funny because I was reading this and I was like, hang on a minute, like they already are. 
Uh, so yeah, the vision of the bid is the Manchester United Football Club to be renowned for footballing excellence. Okay, they're not there yet. They're getting there. And to be regarded as the greatest football club in the world. Like, now United fans already see them as that. So part mm. of my thinking is, if that's your vision for Manchester United, you're going to have to do better than that. Even as not a fan of Manchester United and not someone who was trying to take over them, I think I could have pretty much written a similar press release, you know? Yeah, that's right. I want to right. return the club to its former glories, both off, off, on and off the pitch. And do you know what the most important thing, Moose, is? I want to place fans at the heart of the club once more. It'll be debt-free for, because of my foundation, which is named 9-2 after the class of 92. You may, mm. see the, you may see the link there. Wild, isn't it? Wild. It's, uh, it's pretty wild. And um, I want to invest in the football teams, the training centre, the stadium, and the wider infrastructure. The fan experience in the communities the club supports. The club's renowned for footballing excellence and regarded as the greatest club in the world. And I will release more details when appropriate. It's pretty, it's it's, pretty softball it's, stuff, right? It's softball stuff. Uh, it also says all the right things. Yeah, uh, totally. And also, though, yeah, that's. I think in the age that we're in, it's fair enough, isn't it? It's fa- like it's, what fair, do we, it's fair what, enough. We, we can be we can be cynical as 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 whatever old yeah. cynics. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I feel like that's just because of the murkiness of modern football ownership and the the choice that we kind of have here for Manchester United's future ownership. Well, shout out to this then. This is um shout out to The Athletic for doing great work around this in-depth reporting. They conducted a fan survey about their preferred owner. Um, mm. Two thirds came out in favour of Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Um, I think about 17% in favour of the Qatar bid. So, well, well, say the cat. no, that's not fair. It's not, apparently, no, no, it's right, not right, 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 that's bid. not, that's, yes, exactly. Listen, here's the thing, here's the thing, that's not been, it's not clear. So, Sheikh Jassim's bid um, is only popular with sort of less than 20% of Manchester United fans that were surveyed. And I think that really highlights the concern among a significant part of the fan base about what the club could be used for. You know, we, we've seen for many, many years Manchester United run without the prime interests of the club in mind. And the thing about Manchester United, even if they are run well on the field, this is the thing, a lot of those supporters would have thought, well, yeah, we know money's coming in. We know the club will go debt-free, which frankly, it's Manchester United, right? If you're going to buy a football club, it's one of the best ones you can buy just because the fan base is worldwide. Uh, there's a guaranteed revenue stream for whoever owns it, right? So Manchester United don't need to be the position of thinking we're desperate for a buyer because technically speaking, well, it's an attractive purchase. The concern I think for those fans who would prefer Sir Jim Ratcliffe is, look, the team might flourish on the pitch, but at what cost? Does that make sense? Because if you look at the Newcastle experience, you know, Newcastle are flourishing, they've spent while they're flourishing, but the reception they've had, I think doesn't bode well. Um, In terms of, you know, the conversation around it, the noise, ownership like that just has noise, right? And it's noise that fans don't want. I think fans want to enjoy their club with as few thoughts about those wider scruples as possible, that's fair. Absolutely. If you were going to draw up a textbook, mm. hypothetical example of the supposed good and bad 
options of modern day football ownership, mm. you would have um, essentially someone very, very, with very, 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 very close. I mean, the son of the former prime minister, mm. the chairman of the Qatari Investment Bank that also has on his uh, board, I, th- I believe, um, people involved in, I think it's the, is it the QIA? as well from Qatar. And essentially the, the, the reason that Sheikh Justin has been, is the person I think to emerge from this, for this bid is the fact that previous options that they explored were deemed to be in breach of. Yeah. Conflict, conflict of interest. Yep. 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 So with the PSG ownership, for example. Yes. So I feel like, yes, you can say these are separate, much like the Saudi public investment fund is separate from the state. Well, this is the thing. This is you know what I mean. But this is what I mean. So you have this option on one hand, yeah, essentially a nation state yeah. purchase, and then you have a rich, locally born business guy who has a pretty atrocious reputation in the region. Well, this is the thing because this of is the thing the effects of his company Ineos, and even his denial of future investment within the country um, in favour of having labour exported, you know, so you can't say he's really a champion of the But this is it now, this is kind of like, well, what do we expect? This is where we are. This is where we are. Yeah. So you can kind of, you know, you can, until there is this, until there's legislation brought in that says, I don't know, fans must have 50, I don't know, 50 plus one, let's say. (laughs) Yeah, unless you have 51% of fans, 51% ownership for fans, and the other 49 taken up by a consortium of executives um, who've made their money and who love the area and who've, you know, provided regeneration all the rest, unless you have that perfect. Yeah. I mean, you could have anyone there, you know, even someone like Lars Vintos. It's fine. Um, We wouldn't recommend it, but you can. (laughs) You know, I don't know. You may have like spy firms spying on the former president or whatever of the, of the club but you know might get a bit weird on that front social media bots attacking new signings yeah. the moment they arrive oh, I just missed that I missed the I missed the halcyon days of the Hertha Berlin underwater torpedo league training sessions that's what I miss <laughs> unbelievable it's a strange topic this because I don't feel like I don't feel like either ownership really massively shifts the needle for Manchester United in the immediate future they still have half a billion pounds worth of debt um which is frankly wild, considering that debt was brought about by the purchase of the club, what, 17 years ago now? That debt could be cleared in, ca- could be cleared in cash, though. Uh, yeah, it can be cleared in cash, but I think, it's, I think it's, kind of a, it's, it's kind of wild when you step back now and you're like, oh, 17 years later, Manchester United is still half a billion pounds in debt For a club largely like caused that. by yeah, yeah. the purchase of the club in the first place. Yeah. I think for Manchester United fans, and I think for, <laughs> put it this way, we said that we've, we've talked a lot about how Manchester United have seemed to function quite well since the lo- noise has gone down. Yes. I feel like for Manchester United, I would say, as suggested by the, the, the fan survey that the Athletic did, the Ineos slash Jim Ratcliffe ownership will probably be the easiest and smoothest to navigate. It takes the noise way down. Mm. Way, way down. If we're being honest, if we're being real, there was um, someone referred to it uh, as a common athletic survey as the lesser of all evils. And that sounds like a brutal thing to say. It sounds like a brutal sentence. Here's the thing. Like, here's the thing. Like, those fans referring to evils as conversation, as noise, as going to games, that having to think about all these different geopolitical elements. And it's not, 
it's not the fans can't handle complexity, they can. It's that you don't want to see your club either used or have the appearance of being used. And this is the problem for Sheikh Jassim's bid, right? It's the appearance of that. It's the appearance of that. You can't, you can say, oh, we're not connected to the state and all of that. Hard on the heels, hard on the heels of the World Cup. What mm. do you think it looks like? Mm. And the smart people, the smart people in Qatar will be like, we know what this looks like. Um, and we're pressing ahead with it regardless of it looking like that. And teachers got to be mindful. Like Manchester United is a club that even, even those, even its detractors will look at it and be like, do you know what? They've actually built something organically. Mm. Right. And look, this club, this world is shorn of innocence and the football world is absolutely shorn of innocence. And the one thing that people cling to is a sense that something is real, something is homegrown, you know, and call, calling your foundation the 9-2, calling your foundation, your vehicle, the 90 foundation. I mean, first of all, United is, it's older than 92, right? It's like Newton Heath is old school. Do you know, it goes all the way back. And actually to name it that subconsciously you're telling on yourself, because actually you know what, what you're saying is it's a land grab. Yeah, do you, know what, do you know what, what if, if, for example, Sheikh Jassim had come in and said, I want to, I want to buy it with my foundation, the Newton Heath casuals. Thank you. I'd be like, that, yeah, holy okay. shit. Inject <laughs> like, it. What the fuck? <laughs> it's on. That, if, if you're coming with that kind of energy and you're like, oh yeah, we're going to give like 1,878 free tickets away to every game, like in commemoration of the, the foundation date of Newton Heath. If you're going to do that or you come with that, but to go with, 90, with 92, with 92, it's so interesting about what it you is. think the global brand is and the position and all the rest of it. Well, it's the, it's the kind of, um, it's the closest the Manchester United have had to like recent nostalgia. 1992 feels like a huge amount of time ago. I suppose in 1992, the same, there was the same distance between them and then and now than there was to 1962. So you're right. In the early 90s, everyone felt deep nostalgia to the mid 60s. Yeah, that's and true. now everyone's true. feeling deep nostalgia to football-wise. Mm. I think as well for Manchester United, the pe- the beginning of their dynastic that period. That's right. That's right. So, I think it's quite a smart move because you'll have a load of fans. You've seen it with Arsenal, for example. You've had a load of fans who are coming into what they call like you know core demographic age, mm. who were very very small when Arsenal were massively successful, or maybe were born, you know, were only maybe like two or three years old when Arsenal went invincible. Yeah. And you've got the same with Manchester United fans who are too young to remember that dynastic period, but it was so close in recent memory that they hear about it everywhere. Yeah. And there are constant comparisons to what they're seeing to what will happen just before they, they can, they could experience it properly. Yeah. So I think it is quite smart in that sense. And I feel like, I mean, I feel a little bit, if, I was trying to think about this when I saw the news come through and I just felt a little bit numb to the fact. Mm. We've said this, I think, when Newcastle were taken over is that organisations essentially overseen by a state mm. owning a sporting entity, mm. I think is overall very bad in any country. I don't think that's a massively wild take. But the problem with the Premier League is they've already allowed it. Yeah. So once you've already allowed it, you can't go, actually, no, this one when we're pushing back on. Yeah. It's kind of done. I'm just waiting for Singapore to buy Chelsea at this point. Todd Bowley giving up Chelsea is going to be like you getting rid of Twitter. <laughs> just like, it's never going to happen. my cold dead hands. For my cold dead hands. Before I really interrupted you, you're making a great point about- No, no, I feel, yes. like, it's, I th- I feel like it's an interesting one, the Manchester United one, because it's, it's probably 
the biggest club that has undergone or is potentially going to undergo this kind of seismic takeover shift in modern memory, but they've already done it in the mid 2000s. Yeah. It's really weird. I feel like I don't, I, I'm kind of feel like I, I'm, I don't agree with it, but I feel like what can you actually do about it? There's nothing you can really do. About right. It. And I just wondered, you know what? There's nothing you can really do about it. The thing, the one thing I would say is going to be interesting here is what this does to like the fan base. Uh, because yeah. that, that you look at that, like that ownership, right? I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the polling numbers were like for um, Newcastle prior to the takeover. But I just wonder if, because Ashley subjected them to such horror on and off the field, right? Um, because Ashley stepped to such horror, I wonder if there was, there was more favour of, um, of the Saudi bid. And with United, you look at this, what this will do to fans like on the day, fans online, it just feels like it could get really, really, really ugly, Ryan. I mean, I've already, I've already seen a huge amount of uh, abuse fired at people reporting about this or or airing any sense of criticism for all of the issues that we talked about around the World Cup. I've already seen it. Over the you weekend, know, I saw a load of fucking homophobia my God. or stuff that was fired towards journalists. Uh, Nick Harris had a great, someone dissed him and told him that you should talk about Man City. <laughs> oh my God, the man that has talked about Man City more than... yeah. Well, well, at more de- with more depth than with more precision yeah. than almost any other journalist. I spoke to one thing, one more thing. I spoke to a couple of Manchester United fans, um, yeah, friends sorry, of mine, and they and they said that um, <laughs> it was quite interesting. Actually, one of the main reasons why they were like, "I'd rather just have Jim Ratcliffe because at least then it means that we're kind of not like City." Wow, that's so interesting, and it's that basic. Actually, yeah, yeah. I think we said this about the, the the Newcastle takeover as well, and we said there will be a number of fans. Huge amount of fans, probably the huge majority of fans, mm. who just want Manchester United to basically have a different ownership to, yeah, to, yeah. to Man City so that they don't have to, they don't get bashed with the same stick that Man City do. And they yeah. feel like some kind of moral superiority over their crosstown rivals. But I feel like this is an example of modern football in a nutshell, in that having an owner such as Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Mm. nowadays gives you the moral superiority over your crosstown rivals. And if there is the Premier League ownership in a nutshell, yeah, I think that's kind of it. Can I say one, yeah, can I say one thing though about this? And um, maybe I don't have too much more to say on it. It's that the noise around the Qatar World Cup, mm. the energy around that is the most emotionally exhausting experience I've had in relation to football. It is the most unpleasant experience I've had in relation to covering and watching football. I overall had some great experiences, but fundamentally I hated it and I was not, I was not unhappy when it was gone. That sounds like a terrible thing to say, but fundamentally as an experience, it was deeply unpleasant and any indication of that arising again, I'm just not looking forward to it. And I think Sir Jim Ratcliffe as an owner, there's more leverage around that conversation. There's more you can do. There's more pressure you can bring to bear. There's all, there just tends to be more pressure you can bring to bear on an individual um, who owns a club as opposed to an individual who has strong connections with a nation state that wealthy. And that just, they can say what yeah. they like, they can, people can get mad if they like, but I just feel that's what it is. I just feel there's more leverage with a Ratcliffe in charge. Whenever any, any ownership stuff comes up on Stadio, I feel like everyone kind of goes like, yeah, actually, do you know what? I know what you guys are going to say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because we're just, you know, 
Woke by numbers. We're just fucking two old wokes. <laughs> You're not old. I'm old. <laughs> Dude, I'm pretty old. I'm sorry I didn't remember playing football except Stafford Law. <laughs> so old. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, anything else you want to do on the ownership stuff? Or? No, I just want to say a shout out to everyone who's done great reporting on that. And um, thank you for continuing to be rigorous um, in relation to both major bids. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and one final thing. I think I said this again when, when the Newcastle bid was made, but yeah, I know it's really wide-eyed. I know it's really naive. I'm not, you know, I'm not young enough to to not understand that. But I just think it's a real shame that we're that these are the options. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame. But I suppose when you're selling something for like, you know, four to six billion pounds or however much the reported uh, sale is. An absolute snip on Twitter, by the way. Where did, what happened to Elon? I thought Elon was getting involved. <laughs> yes, his, uh, his <laughs> Elon Musk, only Manchester United. It's just a horrifying... I'm surprised he didn't do it. Did he do it by poll? He should have done. Shall I buy Manchester United? Say <laughs> <laughs> so yes or no. I will abide by the results of the poll. Oh my God. <laughs> Before we go, Manchester United, good weekend for them on the pitch. Um, well, actually, a good 45 minutes, because that first half, they could have easily been 2 or 3-0 down to Leicester. Yeah. Uh, was it not for David De Gea? A couple of David De Gea wonder oh, saves. Oh, classics. The first one. Wow. That was... A, yeah, so whew. good. Yeah. But um, another couple, another brace for Marcus, Marcus Rashford and good to see Jaden Sancho back in the goals. Gorgeous goal from Sancho. Great assist from Bruno Fernandes. Uh, Bruno and... Um, Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> Bruno, Bruno debt-free Fernandes. Do you know what happened there? Do you know what happened? <laughs> You're going to laugh at me. <laughs> I bit my tongue earlier in the week and now whenever I speak a certain part of my mouth yeah <laughs> <laughs> tongue feels like it's falling off <laughs> what were you eating when you bit your tongue I don't remember I'm eating. old right I don't remember was it, was, it a, was it a sweet good because you're telling me that you're sugar it was a sweet you, you don't want to tell it was a sweet good it yeah. was a sweet good <laughs> so, so, no <laughs> busted oh, no. telling on myself <laughs> This is why I can never be trusted with state secrets. I can never be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, right here. Yeah, right here. <laughs> um, so yeah, you were uh, saying, Bruno Fernandes. Brilliant, brilliant uh, assist from here. He got, he got two assists in this game and Rashford just cooking. Also, look, Rashford against, we, we didn't talk about this because it didn't happen um, uh, within the time for discussion, but Marcus Rashford against Barcelona. I know. Just, yeah. Well, we were we recorded ahead of that. Absolutely out of this world. <laughs> He's out of this world. The form he has at the moment. You know that run that Benzema went on when Benzema was just locked in, and you're like, "Oh, the streak's going to end after a couple of games," and he just continued it. Mm. Like, so Rashford's been like this for what? What since the World Cup? He's yeah. been on one. <laughs> yeah. I know, like him and Saka just came out from the World Cup on smoke, and like everyone's getting cooked. And everyone's just checking the schedule. Go, oh no, we're playing, we're playing Bukayo this week. We're playing Marcus this week. It's like that at the moment. The same that what Colin Moani is doing over at Eintracht Frankfurt. Oh my God, so Colin Moani. People just came back locked in. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, um, just, shout out to Rashford. <laughs> Colin Moani looking at uh, Martinez and he was just like, and that's when it became personal. That was his origin story. You realise yeah. that. <laughs> Love him. But on the weekend where uh, Colin Moani scores another goal, kind of cruel that on the same day, Emiliano Martinez had one doinked in off the back of his head. Do you think it was, do you think it was cruel, Ryan? I mean, I think, I think Martinez will be comfortable with the World Cup and the Golden Glove pretending to be a penis. 
I think he, I think he had too much fun doing that. So he had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, um, so probably too much fun for a man his age, I'd say. But you know, my only regret, my only regret was my only regret when I saw Arsenal going two one down was I didn't tweet they're going to win this four two because I just thought it feels the kind of game that this Arsenal wins four two. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I, I really oh, felt that. I really felt Arsenal, that. Arsenal going two one down on lunchtime. I mean, we, let's swerve there quickly. Let's, go, let's do a very very brief roundup on the Premier League. Uh, Arsenal going two two one down on a lunchtime kickoff on a Saturday in the Midlands just felt like... With a game in hand. This is going to end 2-1. This is going to totally end 2-1. It's a different Arsenal. I mean, it is. I think that it was a good. It was just good for them to respond after the City defeat in midweek and obviously City drawing at Forest, which is a great point for Forest, by the way. Again, City could have won that game like 19-1. Should have. Um, but Forest but that is happens, resilient. You know? Yeah, really resilient. I mean, you saw the Brighton-Fulham game, for example. Like, Brighton... Oh, they could give Fulham a sniff and they had one tiny, tiny sniff right at the end of the game and that was enough for them. Yeah, Um, yeah. great counter. I loved uh, Deserby's passive-aggressive red where they were like, what did you tell the referee afterwards? He was just like, your boss wasted my time this week. (laughs) 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 He had a two-hour meeting with me to explain VAR and he wasted my time. Um, Brighton should have won that though. Brighton should have won that. Great win for Brighton should have won that, yeah. Yeah. Where were we? We were talking about Oh yeah, Arsenal. So basically, yeah, I mean, I think for Arsenal, obviously an amazing win with City's, def- uh, City's dr- City dropping points. Um, one thing I was going to say on this though, coming around to the idea, Musa, that uh, Jorginho was uh, actually robbed for the 2021 Ballon d'Or. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I'm really happy for him. I'm really happy for him. I mean, he's playing yeah. well, man. Yeah. Playing well and um, seems to have just fitted in really, really easily. It feels like when Rakitic got bought by Barcelona and people were really underwhelmed and then yeah. you come in and it's, it's the worst thing as, um, as a new signing because you want to come with a bit of excitement at least and he came in with that doubt and mm. like it's just not an ideal place to start from it's not good for the energy and just come in and it's just doing the work and the funny thing is he seems to have been radicalised like you know like, you know, like Zinchenko was immediately on it and I'm like okay Zinchenko's on it you kind yeah. of expect that because he's got you know not something to prove but he's got a bigger stage now Jorginho you'd be like you know as a former Chelsea player he's coming in and He'll come and just keep his head down and do his job. No, he's like, man's moving with almost ultra energy. <laughs> so it's hilarious, funny. isn't it? The speed of it. Yeah, yeah. Also, can we just appreciate uh, William Saliba on everyone's shoulders, pulling the most like it's tongue incredible. out, eyes wide. <laughs> really great. Oh, really great. Um, yeah. Unai Emery wasn't mega happy with uh, Martinez going up for the no, corner. No, no. Dug him out a little bit. He did, yeah. Kind of like... He went quite far in that. Maybe this, maybe this was a little bit kind of like, listen, Emmy. I love you, but I'm the boss. Unai's got a plan, doesn't he? And he's like, look, we, we can't have too much chaos. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere in the Premier League, Brentford won, Palace won, Brentford with the late equaliser. Um, it feels like a good result for both. Yeah, it is. Considering the circumstances. Uh, we talked about Everton. Seamus Coleman's amazing goal against Leeds. Yeah. Lovely strike. Melier was just like, what have I done? Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. What have I done? <laughs> I gambled <Yes>. and I lost. <laughs> I lost. Bournemouth beating Wolves 1-0. Yeah. Liverpool beating Newcastle 2-0, which good, was... Good Liverpool. Listen, this is... What? Two wins in a row for Newcastle. Uh, sorry, two wins in a row for Liverpool. Darwin Nunez's uh, goal. Gorgeous goal. Another goal for Cody Gagbo yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is a great goal. That lovely assist by Mohamed Salah. Um, What difference a week makes? Signs of life at Liverpool. Signs of life. Klopp's just like, feels good. Yeah. Feels good. <laughs> and um, Spurs beating West Ham 2-0 on... Sunday, mm. some horrific racial abuse directed to Hyunmin Song mm. online. Yeah, yeah. And Grim, same thing happened to Ivan Tony last week as well. And it's 
just, uh, I mean, I don't know what even to say about yeah, it. Where do you even, it's just yeah. fucking horrific. Yeah. I mean, it's something the club actually came out and made a statement about. Exactly. So, you yeah. know, that, that, that's the extent that it's got to. Football fans of any club, like, why? Reach, why? Reaching for that, yeah. It's just horrible. I don't understand what the fuck goes through people's minds. Yeah, it's kind of bleak. Kind of bleak. Yeah, Great goal for him. Yeah. Uh, West Ham in trouble, actually. And that's, that, that's something we probably have to talk about extensively at some point. We yeah. will. We, we, we have a couple of things that we need to talk about in terms of big trouble. Um, because also, who Chelsea are in big trouble. Two wins in 15. Um, Southampton did the double over them this season. And they're bottom of the league. Played 23. One eight, drawn seven, lost eight, four, twenty-three against twenty-three, goal difference zero. I mean, I'm what gonna, a bizarre. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Like aesthetically, that's a very pleasing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of symmetry going yeah, on there. Yeah, hopefully, which mathematicians is, among Chelsea fans will find that beautiful. Hopefully, that's a one for a the positive. numbers heads. They're just like yeah, exactly. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of eights in there, twenty-threes, <laughs> oh, 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 a nice seven in the middle. Oh, it's just very like. Oh, nice. But if you have spent 600 million euros and fired uh, one of the world's greatest current coaches who won the European Cup less than two years ago, your expected goals conceded compared to expected goals has gone deep in the red for the first time in many, many, many years. I think it is time to panic a little bit. And I feel a little bit sorry for Graham Potter because I think he is a really, really good coach. Mm. Taking something like the Chelsea job, I think we were a little bit like worried about him at the time to do that because it's a bit like, oh no, you're not going to get the same kind of leeway that you would do at Brighton. It's almost like Lopetegui going to Real Madrid. You take it because you take it because it feels like the culmination of your career, but you take it so quick that it's almost like you almost betray your concern that you might not get that option again, that offer mm. again. Does that make sense? And that sounds mean, but like the Chelsea job when it came up, there was almost a sense of like now or never for Potter, but maybe it should have been, no, that's not the case. You're such a good coach that a job like that is going to come along again when it's a more palatable time to take it, as opposed to now where almost anyone struggles in that set of circumstances. Mm. This is a horrible predicament because, you know, there's talk about the striker coming and Cuckoo's coming in the summer, right? And that's going to make, I think, a difference. You've got a Babiang right there, though, who <sighs> isn't what? He's not a clown. I mean, you know, the thing with Chelsea is I look at that 11, they put out a team and I, I can't tell you from week to week, this has been the case for like three or four years. The difference is before with, with Tuchel, you knew that whoever, at least in the early days, was going to deliver to some degree. Mm. Whereas this Chelsea team, this configuration, so many moving parts, so many things going on, not only on the pitch, but sort of psychologically with these players. You've got Mudrick who's coming for huge money and has not hit the ground running some promising cameos, but nothing, you know, nothing explosive. Not that kind of start where you've got like three and five, three goals in five games and people just stop talking. The noise isn't going to stop until he like has a breakout performance. Enzo Fernandez has played some great football, but has not really dragged them to victories. And that fee is going to start looking, people start paying more and more attention to the combined fees that were paid to those players very, very quickly, right? Kai Havertz is not being decisive. Giraffe Felix is, you know, all of, it is, it is a, if someone has said to you, put it this way, three years ago, oh, actually, you think they can have a wild time with those front three? It's going to be even wilder two years from now. You'd be like, no, even, not, not even by this standards, but this is, it's somehow worse. And the, the problem with 
The problem for Potter, of course, is that the manager is the first thing that everyone changes. Yep. And it makes, and the horrible thing is, from one perspective, it's the most logical thing, almost. I mean, it's almost like, mm. <laughs> what's Goose Hiddink up to? <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, it's really that. It's almost that level of, we need someone to come in and just steady this ship and get people playing to a certain level. And this is the problem for coaches like Potter. When clubs are really in a tailspin like this, unfortunately, it is, it does tend to be the really experienced type of coach, the kind of Ancelotti that comes in and steadies it. There's very, very few coaches in world football that can steady a tailspin like this one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just... There's, I'm not there's, trying to be there, mean. There are two there. ways around to... this. And I, I want to talk about Southampton very briefly because uh, I know that they won the game, but I feel like this was... For example, if this had ended 3-1 Chelsea, I think it would have been fair. Right, right, yeah. I, I know the, the kind of expected goals doesn't really suggest that the chances were that clear cut, but they had like they missed a couple of massive chances and they had like one off the line, that one from Sterling off the line where he was just like, what the hell? Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's not to take anything away from Southampton. I think that Southampton would have been like, yeah, I mean, it's not like we play Chelsea off the park. They were fine. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the fact that they just don't score enough goals and it's like such a, you've got such a large uh, data sample now for that that you can just be like, okay, this is actually a problem. Yeah. You know? Um, but on Southampton, Quickly. Ruben uh, Sellers, man. Ruben Sellers, man. Whacked a roll neck on, got out there and handled business. <laughs> there was a great report in the Athletic talking about, you know, wearing a turtleneck. This is not the look of a man who thinks he's a stopgap manager. Exactly. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> roll necks do not have interim manager energy. I'm sorry. No, they, hang, they hang around. I'm sorry. If you rock up to an interim, interim manager gig, it's tracksuit. It's club tracksuit. Yeah. That's the vibe, right? You're passing if you're through. You're going exactly. in a roll neck <laughs> for interim manager job. You're like, <laughs> I want that. Just give me the gig now. You might as well just give me the gig now. There's no point. Why are we fucking around? <laughs> it's so true. It's so true, man. But um, I have a question for you. Yeah, sure, sure. In his professional career, what is James Ward Prowse's conversion rate from direct free kicks? 27%. 117%. <laughs> I don't actually know the answer but it just feels like that it feels, it feels like he's so quarter. good at free kicks even the ones that he doesn't take he gets credited for absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. That's there was an element when he, when, he, when, he's, when he scored that free kick there was an element of all that money he threw around he didn't make a bid for me Chelsea really how about this <laughs> when Lionel Messi does award prowse actually <laughs> I was going to ask you I was going to ask you that who, who did it better this weekend I think Messi's free kick was actually better. I think Messi's free kick was better because of the circumstances and it was like... Ryan, was he, pretty, sent the, you know, he sent the entire wall the wrong way. He sent the entire wall, <laughs> half the PSG attack and the cameraman the wrong way. Ryan, he, I was like, hang yeah. on a minute. I was watching this again. Yeah, I was, yeah. This is actually... Actually, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down as like... You know, like Hail to the Thief is like a rated album that doesn't get necessarily the praise it should because they released yeah. all the other bangers. This free kick is like his Hail to the Thief free kick. Like... Yeah. He sends the entire ball the wrong way, gets it in off the post, and the deception, it's so clever because he does this, the only reason Messi scores his free kick against Lille, last minute when against Lille, five minutes out of time, the only reason he scores it is because I think everyone's seen his entire other body of work and like, Leo's probably in this top corner. Yep. And he's like, ha ha ha, I have something new for you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 
Back to Ward Prowse. Uh, well, Sorry. on that, Sorry. I think uh, Lionel Messi is the only person who has scored more direct free kicks than James Ward Prowse. I think in Euro top, Europe's top five leagues in like the last five years. Oh that is gosh. a real stat. I didn't make that one up, by the way. That is an actual stat. That's incredible. Yeah, it's wild. He's amazing, and it's really rare that like you can have such a. He's not as obviously like a sure bet, but like as close to a sure bet from that kind of range is such a weapon to have for a side like Southampton. Unreal. Those three points at the end of the season, if they stay up, yes, huge. And it's come from a direct free kick and something that he scores quite a lot. Love that for them. Love that for him. But let's quickly talk about the PSG game that you mentioned. Uh, yes. 4-3 against Lille. A uh, bit of a wild game. Make uh, energy here. PSG went 1-0 up with a lovely goal from Mbappe. It was such a nice goal. And then they found themselves 2-1 down um, thanks to uh, Diakite header and uh, uh, Jonathan David penalty. Jonathan Bamba stuck them 3-1 up. Luis Campos was down. Sporting uh, director descending to point to point to everyone. Yeah, ignoring Christophe Gautier and just shouting at the players in front of everyone in the Parisian sun. <laughs> Todd Bowley watching going, they can do that too? Sporting directors can Oh my God. Oh my God. I hadn't even thought about it. Listen, that, and that Stamford Bridge technical area is small. <laughs> it's small. I'm, Todd Bowley, I'm going to get me some of that. Do you remember when, um, was it when Maradona returned to Newell's and they gave him essentially a throne to sit on when he was managing it gets to the <laughs> yes. side? I wonder if Todd Bowley's going to get a throne in the, in the side. <laughs> oh, poor Todd. So Lewis, Lewis Campos comes down and joins in the drama and is there a PSG all or nothing being filmed? Because it feels like it needs to be. Kylian Mbappe with a lovely equaliser and then yeah. Messi's free kick in the 95th the masterpiece, yeah, to win the game. Uh, Galtier was booked in this time as well. Mm. It all went off. But um, there was a really lovely moment after the game where Messi and Andre Gomez were just having a chat. And I was yeah, that like, was oh, lovely. Really lovely. That's just nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, lovely. Just nice to see. Um, so PSG remain top. Top five all won this weekend. So it's as you were in the top five. Yep. Do you want to quickly talk about the Bundesliga because, Musa? Oh, we have to talk about it. The league is on. And it's on. It's on primarily thanks to Gladbach defeating Bayern Munich 3-2. Hilarious work from the Gladbach social media admin. Prior to the game, tweeting the lineups of the Bayern, um, the Bayern team and obviously Jan Sommer playing now in goal for uh, Bayern. And Gladbach just basically tweeting saying, it still feels weird. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> <laughs> We are huge fans of the Gladback Twitter because do you remember that time when we were thirsting on Marco Rosa and they just replied yeah. to us with a picture of Marco Rosa, a thirsty and then started tweeting, Rosa. And then started tweeting Marco yeah, Rosa yeah. thirst traps unprompted. <laughs> they are responsive. They're responsive to fan pressure. <laughs> Gladback three by a minute two and they were great value for this. Pamakano getting uh, a red card early Ooh, on. Oh yeah. What do you think about this? Come on, it's a red man. It is a red, I thought. It's, a, it's absolutely red. Look, yeah. Nagelsmann's, Nagelsmann's having um, an investigation into his, his comments after the game, disputing the red. But I think you're just flailing at that point because Alisson player doesn't even look at Pamakana. He's still on goal, doesn't even right. look at him. Pamakana is struggling for pace, uh, which is not something you'll see that often because he's pretty rapid himself. And then just drags him back by the shoulder and player basically like has so much momentum at that point. He just tumbles over and it's, it's a red and it's just, it's, it's done. And I think, I think Nagelsmann's frustration is one of those classic things where you're like, I know we've botched this. Uh, and Jonas Hoffman put in a masterclass, scored one, two assists, just ran right, basically. 
Mm. Did you see uh, Tobias Feltz, yeah. who was the referee, actually went on TV and talked about it? And, uh, I didn't see it. No, no, yeah, no, he basically said, said that like the the contact causes player to lose his balance. Of course, and yeah, definitely yeah. a red card. Clearly, um, and um, player great... doesn't even look at Pomecano. He's just like, what the hell? Like mm. I've been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that was really interesting, Derek Rake uh, wrote a couple of tweets about this com- um, with a translation from the TV stuff. And he said, Velt says, of course there can be other uh, other opinions, but for him, the touch on the shoulder was decisive. And with player clean through, why would he throw himself to the ground? Also said earlier, fans want to see the ref make decisions on the pitch and not always wait for VAR. Uh, they consulted VAR and agreed that there was no need for an on-pitch review. Mm. So there you go. Alessand player as well, just to say shout out to him. He's one of those players who, in a different era, gets a lot more caps for France. Mm. There is a player who's really unlucky to be in this generation of, of France forwards, actually. Um, I think just because of their depth in that area, he sometimes gets a bit overlooked, but he's always a joy to watch. So anyway, Gladbach beat uh, Bayern 3-2. Union have a chance to, to go top if they defeat bottom of the league Schalke, who they'd actually hammered at Schalke. And they draw nil-nil. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 in in Union's defence, Schalke have had four straight nil nil draws, so they're really resilient. They're really really resilient. And actually, this result, a lot of people look at me like, oh, that's a chance missed. And it is in a sense, but it is indicative of Schalke's direction of travel. They are not the team that Union destroyed early in the season. No, I mean, uh, you, yeah. yeah, you say direction of travel. They've also got a ton of injuries at the moment, and it's like just yeah. getting through that that phase. And I mean, they're six points off safety. Yeah. Um, but that like that goes up the way all the way up to fourteenth. So, yeah, and they, they actually they play Stuttgart something. next. They play Stuttgart yeah. next, who are fourteenth and, and six points ahead of them. So, if they win that game, they close the gap to three points. Is yeah. they could they could get out of trouble. But um, yeah. speaking of Union, it's Fisher's birthday today. So uh, alles Gute zum Geburtstag. Yeah, um, inheritance. Elsewhere in that uh, in that configuration, Freiburg beat Bochum two 0 away. Good mm-hmm. one for them. And Dortmund looked good. Oh my god! How I mean, they looked extremely good because they were wearing their now like yearly blackout kits that and this, this year was, was sick the kit's godly yeah, it's godly it's absolutely badass um, um, yeah. adding Amy backheel well kind of like a backheel like a, a they beat her to 4-1 they beat her to 4-1 they beat her yeah. to 4-1 at the Westfalen Stadion uh, Daniel Marlin back on the score sheet a Marco yes. Royce free kick it was a beautiful Banger. goal that actually and, uh, and a Julian Brandt goal and uh, Lucas Tussar scoring for Hertha Brandt's got what 8 this year Brandt's good man Julian Brandt very Lovely good footballer player. That should, just, that should just be Wikipedia. Julian Brandt is a very good footballer from Germany. Mm. There you go. Um, quickly to La Liga. Wins for Real Madrid, uh, Barca and Real Sociedad. And, and Atleti. And Atleti. Mm. But um, quick thing we wanted to talk about was that the Betis game. Yes. This was so sweet. So Betis hosted Valladolid on Saturday and the club were set, aiming to set a record a new world record for the most supporters with a disability to attend a game of football anywhere, ever. There was a, a lovely quote from a Betis fan, this is from a Dermot Corrigan piece for The Athletic, who, uh, Jose Luis Falcon, who is a lifelong Betis fan who has used a wheelchair since an accident 40 years ago, he said, uh, disabled people are the great forgotten within modern Spanish society, which is an unbelievable quote. The great forgotten. Having a disability is not to be less, it just means different. But there are barriers that exist, physical and mental, which can be eliminated, although it is difficult. If we make attending games accessible, then people will come. Disabled people are just as big of football fans as anybody else. And I could not say it better. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. Just a wonderful initiative from Betis. They're really good at stuff like this. And uh, they also won the game, which is pretty bloody good. It's wonderful. Betis always doing the work. They are. Uh, do you want to give yeah. a quick shout out for your um, Serie A, your weekly Serie A shout? I just think the Napoli procession is continuing a pace at this point, isn't it? Yeah, um, a great win for them yeah. over Sassuolo um, and results everywhere. I mean, Juventus got a win, but the immediate surroundings, Lazio beats Lenatana 2-0. But Atlanta losing 2-1 to Lecce, meaning that the teams that could pose a bit of a challenge are kind of slipping behind one by one, actually. Um, mm. So Napoli are looking good for the title at the moment, which then, of course, throws focus on their Champions League aspirations where they'll be facing Eintracht. And there are big signs up for that tie, which is coming soon. Uh, but you mentioned Salernitana, by the way. David, uh, we didn't mention, but David yes. uh, Nicola got fired again. <laughs> so Unreal. He'll be Arden back in the job in five days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before we bounce, can I just quickly shout out Courtney Vine's goal against Spain for the Matildas? Uh, because yeah, it was really, really was. Really it, good gave them, it spurred them on to a uh, a three-two win. Yeah, shout out to Rachel yep. Daly as well. A daily brace against Italy. Yeah, make sure you check out Flo and the gang talking about that on Counterpressed. Yep. Um, anything else we want to talk about today? Uh, I think that is. That's it. That's it. Probably forgotten something. I'm sure someone, a kind, probably gentleman, will tweet us and let us know. You know, there's always something, but for the time being, I'm happy. If uh, we miss anything, out Kwanga on Twitter because he's probably muted all notifications, so it's fine. (laughs) If not, (laughs) don't forget to join Moose and I on Wright's house talking about golf on Tuesday. I'm actually really excited about this. I can't wait to talk golf again. It's been so long, you know. So yeah, I'm, I'm hyped about that. So join us on Wright's House for that. And uh, don't forget to check themringer.com and check the Stadio Outros players on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on a recently reissued, oh, this is such a jam, called Sweet Poison, because Musa, football is my sweet poison. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> what a silly podcast. Uh, it's by Iron Force. We're going to let this one roll. Anything you want to add, Musa Kwanga? Nothing further. Are you sure? Absolutely sure. Are you positive? <laughs> Don't tell me it's a hot take. Don't tell me. Go on. <laughs> Nothing right. further. He's, uh, he's not taking the bait, everyone. So we'll leave it there. And uh, we'll be back with you Thursday. Much love. See you then.